Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Friday edition before Christmas of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. It's so very nice to have you with us as we look ahead to a sporting weekend, the one before Christmas leading into Boxing Day, which, of course, is a massive, massive sporting day. So we will be looking ahead to the weekend. But before we get there, let's just have a look at some of the other news that's happened over the last couple of hours. And uh, last night, it was Liverpool against Manchester City in the League Cup. And what a game. Five-goal thriller won by Manchester City. They got back on track after the World Cup and a fantastic performance by both teams, I might add. And uh, just fantastic to see Premier League football again. Albeit it wasn't Premier League, it was the League Cup, but it was still two Premier League clubs. And uh, almost full strength both sides last night, I might add. And as I say, a five-goal thriller won 3-2 by Manchester City. What a start to the second half. Two goals in two minutes, one from each side after the first half ended one all. And then a goal just on the hour mark for Man City. And loads of saves from the two reserve goalkeepers. Lots of great action from both sides. And ultimately, at the end, Manchester City have knocked out the holders at Liverpool and are through to the next round. Now, the next round... Looks like this. The draw has been made. There are just eight teams left into the quarterfinals. We go, and there will be a new League Cup champion this year. And the best part of the draw is that the few big sides that remain, none of them drew each other. That's right. Newcastle, Manchester City, and Manchester United, who are, of course, in the top five of the Premier League at the moment, all got draws against different teams, not each other. How did the draw work? Well, it went like this. Newcastle against Leicester City. Newcastle looking for their first cup or any form of silverware since 1955. Well, they're up against Leicester City, who, of course, a couple of years ago shocked everyone by winning the Premier League. Southampton have drawn the big guns in this tournament. Manchester City. Southampton will play at home. Nottingham Forest have drawn Wolverhampton Wanderers. And that leaves Manchester United and Charlton. That game will be played at Old Trafford. Matches will be played on Tuesday, the 10th of January. Now, what does that mean? That means that these teams have got some serious, serious football coming up. Let's just uh, have a look for you at uh, the uh, league action coming up. As I mentioned, it all gets back underway when the teams go back into Premier League. That is on Monday which is, of course, family day or boxing day. Uh, depends on how you feel like celebrating it. It is a week and a half, or even more now, of matches that are going to be coming out of our ears. So let's look at Monday for a start. It sees Brentford play Spurs at half past two. There'll be loads of people in the stands wearing Father Christmas hats and Christmas Wishes will be flying around until the game kicks off, obviously, then Brentford and Spurs. London Derby, that. Then Leicester City will play Newcastle. How amazing is that? They've drawn each other in the uh, quarterfinals of the League Cup, and they will be playing each other at the weekend, or at least on Monday. It's a long weekend, so let's call it the weekend, in the Premier League. And then Everton play Wolverhampton Wanderers at 5 o'clock. Also at 5, Southampton against Brighton. Crystal Palace against Fulham. Another London Derby. Aston Villa will welcome Liverpool and then another London derby at 10 o'clock on the 26th. So the Arsenal and West Ham 
fans and players could enjoy a Christmas lunch a little bit later, maybe have the odd uh, little toot uh, as they go through the day on Christmas Day, knowing that they'll only be playing at 10 o'clock on Boxing Day. That is the Boxing Day fixtures. We've left a couple of teams out of the Monday matches. Tuesday, Chelsea play Bournemouth. Manchester United play Nottingham Forest. Chelsea, Bournemouth, as I say, Nottingham Forest, Man United. Those are the matches. Then Wednesday sees Leeds United play Manchester City. So Leeds and Manchester have got a couple of days, uh, Christmas, and then a few days off before they get back into action. Now, that's not all, because uh, once they finish their round of matches on the Tuesday night, on the Wednesday Leeds Man City, then Friday, the 30th of December, two days before the new year, West Ham play Brentford, Liverpool play Leicester. On the Saturday, Wolves play Manchester United, Bournemouth play Crystal Palace, Manchester City play Everton, Newcastle play Leeds, that's going to be an eight-goal thriller, Fulham play Southampton and Brighton play Arsenal. On the Sunday, it's Spurs against Villa and Forest against Chelsea. It doesn't end there. On the Monday, the 2nd of January, also a public holiday, Brentford play Liverpool. Then on Tuesday, (laughs) yep, Leicester City play Fulham. Everton play Brighton. Arsenal play Newcastle. That's going to be some serious clash. And Manchester United play Bournemouth. It's not over. Wednesday, Southampton play Forest, Leeds play West Ham, Aston Villa play Wolverhampton Wanderers, Crystal Palace play Spurs. And then on Thursday, the 5th of January, Chelsea, Manchester City. What a game that promises to be. That takes us up to Thursday, and that means three rounds of matches in less than 10 days. And you know, as those adverts uh, for the shopping channel go, And that's not all. Well, why is that not all? I'll tell you why. Because straight after the 4th of January, there is a matter of the FA Cup competition. That is going to take place on the second weekend of the month. That, uh, of course, is the second weekend of the new month, I should add. And uh, the FA Cup fixtures are as follows. We'll go through those for you in a moment. This, of course, is the first time that the Premier League sides get involved in the FA Cup competition. They have not been in the FA Cup for a couple of rounds now because of they only start the FA Cup, I should say, in the first or second week of January. It just depends, obviously, with the World Cup. It has been Slightly different. So those FA Cup fixtures for you on the second weekend of the new year, the oldest competition in the world, sees Manchester United playing Everton, Reading playing Watford, Preston play Huddersfield, Spurs play Portsmouth, Gillingham play Leicester, Forest Green play Birmingham City. Yep, a couple of... uh, Non-league sides uh, in action in the FA Cup. Fleetwood play Queen's Park Rangers. Middlesbrough play Brighton. Ipswich Town against Rotherham. Bournemouth play Burnley. Chesterfield play West Bromwich Albion. Blackpool play Nottingham Forest. Millwall play Sheffield United. Borham Wood play Accrington Stanley. One of those two sides are going to go through to the fifth round of the FA Cup. 
Shrewsbury play Sunderland, Brentford play West Ham, Coventry play Wrexham, Luton play Wigan, Grimsby play Burton, Sheffield Wednesday play Newcastle, Derby County play Barnsley, Liverpool have a tough draw against Wolverhampton Wanderers, Bristol City play Swansea, Cardiff City play Leeds United, Stockport play Walsall, this is now on the 8th of Sunday, Hartlepool play Stoke City, Norwich play Blackburn, Aston Villa play Stevenage, Man City, Chelsea, my goodness, how on earth did that come out the hat? That one of Manchester City or Chelsea are going to be knocked out in the third round of the FA Cup. And Oxford United play Arsenal. That will be a great game. That's on the Monday night, the 9th of January. And then, as I mentioned, the matches uh, thick and fast. They end, as I say, on the 9th of January. And then before you know it, on the uh, 12th of January, they're back in action. Fulham and Chelsea, 13th, Friday the Friday the 13th. Wow, we start the year within less than two weeks and have a Friday the 13th, if you're superstitious. Fuller against Leeds, and then on the 14th, United play Manchester City. My goodness, what a game that promises to be. Everton play Southampton, Wolves play West Ham, Forest play Leicester, Brighton play Liverpool, and Brentford play Bournemouth. 15th of January, Chelsea play Palace, and Newcastle play Fulham. And by then, we would have completely forgotten there even was a World Cup. It will be over, done, and dusted. It will be the end of our dreams of the World Cup, and we will be so well entrenched in the Premier League. Who will be top? Well, going into the first round of matches this, uh, on Monday, irrespective of what happens, Arsenal will still be top of the table. They played 14 games. They are five points clear of Manchester City, who themselves are a game less, but two points ahead of Newcastle United. Spurs in fourth place and Manchester United fifth. Liverpool have moved up to sixth, but Liverpool are 15 points behind Arsenal. 15 points behind Arsenal going into the new year. Brighton are in seventh. Chelsea eighth. Fulham ninth and Brentford tenth. Bottom of the table, Wolverhampton Wanderers have 10 points from 15 games. Southampton have 12 points from 15 games. Nottingham Forest have 13 points from 15 games. And then West Ham and Everton are locked together on 14 points. Leeds 15, Bournemouth 16 in 14th, Leicester in 13th, Villa in 12th, and Crystal Palace have 19 points in 11th place. So less than nine points separate 10 to 20, but 15 points separate 1 to 6. That is the Premier League. It will get back underway on Monday. And to be honest with you, I cannot wait. If anything is to go by how last night's action was. Well, let's turn our attention out to cricket news. And uh, the action was fast and furious today. Bangladesh at the end of day two, trail India by 80 runs with 10 wickets in hand. The Indians scored 314 all out in their first innings. In reply to Bangladesh's 227 all out in their first innings, the big contributors for India, Rishpap Pant will be kicking himself. He got 93 today. Yep, 93. 87 for Shiresh here. 87 of 105 balls. Nobody else really made their mark today for the Indians. 314 all out. Best of the bowling, Sakib Al-Hassan took four for 79. And Tajul Islam took four for 74 in 25 overs. And as I say, at the close of play, 
there is a few runs on the board for the Bangladeshis. They are seven without loss, and day three will resume tomorrow. Should be lots and lots of action there. Now, there is other cricket action over the weekend, starting on Boxing Day, 2 o'clock in the morning South African time. At the MCG, the Melbourne Cricket Club, and you said Mollybourne, the Melbourne Cricket Club, the MCG, it is Australia against South Africa in the Boxing Day Test Match. There's also another Test Match between Pakistan and New Zealand. That's after Pakistan fired the Ramiz Raja. Now, the Pakistani Cricket Board is governed by the government of Pakistan, and the Cabinet and the Prime Minister decided, bye-bye, Ramiz Raja the former great Pakistani opener and a commentator who hasn't been on the airwaves for a while, but after the first whitewash ever in their home country, Pakistan beaten 3-0 by England, they have fired Rami Zaraja. Now, they are going to take on a very, very good New Zealand side, I might add. Good test side, Kane Williamson and the boys. And uh, that test match starts at 7 o'clock South African time. And then next week, Wednesday, sees the final of Cricket South Africa's one-day competition. The Tuskers take on the six-gun grill Garden Root Badgers. My goodness, where do they find these names? I have no idea. They find these names from somewhere. Anyway, that's next week. So we look forward to the cricket. Now, how do you think South Africa are going to do? Well, are the selectors going to be brave? Are they going to be brave? and make the changes that most probably is needed. So Payazondo has spoken out, the son of the Chief Justice of South Africa, Raymond Zondo, and he admits that conditions may have not favoured batting in the opening test in Australia, but he does believe the Proteas can and will improve in their next match this weekend against Australia on Boxing Day. The South African players took part in their final training session in Brisbane, where they suffered the six-wicket defeat inside two days at the Gabba, and they're on the next leg of their tour, which will be hoping for a much better performance at the MCG, where they will be aiming to square the three-match series. The one good thing that we can take out of the uh, first test match is the fact that the South African bowlers did exceptionally well, and they've managed to curtail the likes of Manus Labuskakni, as well as David Warner in particular, who is on a terrible run of form. Now, he's due to play his 100th test match, whether the Australian selectors are brave enough to drop him after 99 tests, because his form, let's be honest, is absolutely poor. And uh, it looks like Achisa Rivada has got the uh, making of getting rid of him. Uh, it will be interesting to see how the selectors from both sides choose their 11 starting lineups for the match on Boxing Day. There will be a lot of focus on South Africa's batsmen, of course, and how the selectors will decide to go into the match. What Zondo did say, which I guess is a good summary of the test match, is that he himself was only playing in his third test for South Africa, and most of his teammates are inexperienced at the highest level. There have been so many retirements in South African cricket in the past few years. We've always expected to go through a transition phase, and tough schedule has not helped, according to the young man. He batted very well, I might add, in the second innings of the match in Brisbane. He did really look good albeit that he took an awful long time to get his run. So let's have a look at the South African squad, of which they'll need to choose 11. There's no doubt that the likes of Dean Elgar and Kisa Rabada and Kyle Varaney's names will definitely be on the uh, list of starters, as I guess will be the bowlers in Heinrich Nokia, 
most probably Lungi and Gidi. And will they play or won't they play Keshav Maharaj or Simon Harmer? I'm not 100% certain. But it's the batting where they have a problem. So they have the following batsmen available to them. So Elga, the captain, obviously. Temba Bavuma, who did show a little sign of a better form in the test match at the Gabba. Uh, Gerald Kutsia, Tennis the Brain. Maybe he's a good uh, choice of, of batting. Sarol Aravia, who's currently in the side. Uh, Marco Janssen will, I guess, be on the bowler on the list. Heinrich Klaassen might might come in. I guess if Carl uh, Verani's form wasn't as good as it is, Heinrich Klaassen might get a chance, but I don't think so. Maharaj Ngiri, Nokia, Rabada, and then Rossi van der Dissen, I guess, uh, will most probably be in the side. And they've got Kaya Zonda, who, as I say, batted really well, and Lizard Williams. That's all they got with them there. It's not like there's a 26-man squad like the rugby players go with. So they don't really have that much to choose from. I guess that they are good enough. Maybe they, they just need to apply themselves a bit better and be a bit more patient. And remember that it's a five-day match. It doesn't end in two days. It shouldn't end in two days. The state of the pitch aside, this is a test match, not a one-day international. And so many of these players have been playing so much one-day international cricket that their brains most probably are on that attacking mode and not on the survival mode of batting for hours and hours in a test match. And it doesn't matter if it takes you 200 balls to get 100 runs. It's the 100 runs. It's the taking up of the time. It's five days, the test match. There's no rush to end it like the first test ended in less than six sessions, which is completely unacceptable. So we will follow that for you through the course of next week, which incidentally, let me just remind you, your uh, team, the from the boardroom to the locker room team, we're going to take a bit of a break next week for a couple of days, and we're going to be playing in some of the highlights of the best interviews of 2022 that we've had through the course of the year. That will be happening next week on From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. But we're not finished yet for tonight. Let's have a look at the rugby fixtures that are coming up. It's Derby weekend here in South Africa. What does that mean? That means that we get back to the South African teams against each other. I look forward to that one. Starting off uh, with matches this evening, the Sharks at 5 o'clock take on the Lions. It's a really early kickoff to accommodate the quarter past seven kickoff for the Stormers against the Bulls right here in the beautiful mother city of Cape Town, which I might add is jam-packed with fans from all over the country and a lot of people from Gauteng and from the Blue Bull country are in Cape Town enjoying, well, not so much beautiful sunshine weather today, but there is a little bit of a cloudy uh, day today, but cooler than it has been through the course of the week. So the Stormers play the Bulls, the Sharks play the Lions, uh, the Glasgow Warriors play Edinburgh, and the Connaught uh, 15 play Ulster. Times of the games, 5 o'clock, quarter past 7, 25 to 10 for the two international matches. Then tomorrow, the action on the rugby fields, of course, sees uh, a load of action coming up, in fact, on the rugby fields uh, around the world. There's the London Irish are up against Saracens. That's in the Gallagher Premiership. The top 14 sees Brief play Clermont. Montpellier play Papillon. Section Palois are up against Aviron Bayonnais. La Rochelle play Union Bordeaux Bagels. The Stade Toulousain play Castre Olympique. Then tomorrow, Benetton plays Zebra. The AC Rising 92 plays Stade Francais. And in the Gallagher Premiership tomorrow, the Exeter Chiefs play Bath. 
Leicester Tigers play Gloucester. And then boxing their matches, Monday sees the Dragons play Cardiff, Ospreys play Clenethley, and Munster play Leinster. And on Tuesday, Harlequins up against the Bristol Bears. That's your rugby action over the weekend. There are no major golf tournaments scheduled for the next couple of days. The first tournament of the new year is at the Plantation Course at Kapalua in Kapalua in Maui in Hawaii, where the USPGA Tour gets underway from the 5th to the 9th of January. That's the Century Tournament. And then the Sony Open in Honolulu in Hawaii in the following week. 12th to the 16th, and then the DP World Tour gets back underway on the 13th of January with the uh, Hero Cup in Abu Dhabi at the Abu Dhabi Golf Club. The following week at the Yas Lynx Abu Dhabi Tournament, the championship there, and then at La Kunta Country Club, the USPGA Tour, the American Express Tournament from the 19th to the 23rd of January. So that is the golf the tennis will get underway very early in the new year. There is, of course, those tournaments that uh, happen in Australia ahead of the Australian Open in January. There should be lots of action there. And uh, Novak Djokovic needs to be playing at all costs, says Nick Kyrgios. Yep, the fiery Australian has said that uh, Novak Djokovic needs to be playing. He's happy the Serb will be allowed back into the Australian Open to compete in the opening Grand Slam of the year in Melbourne next week. And uh, more tennis news uh, is that the uh, world number five, Arena Sabalenka, has said she hopes the Wimbledon organisers will be a bit more open to the idea of allowing Belarusians and Russians into next year's tournament. The Belarusian, a semi-finalist in the tournament in 2021, was one of several high-ranked players blocked from Wimbledon earlier this year after the All England Club implemented a ban on Russian and Belarusian players in response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. So she's hoping that she can make it back there as well. That pretty much is what we can look forward to over the next couple of days, as well as what has been happening around the world. What I will tell you is that French Sports Minister... Amelia Odecastera has today accused the Argentinian players of being elegant, inelegant, winners and vulgar, mocking her country's Kylian Mbappe. As much as our French team know how to lose with panache, so the manner in which the Argentinian team acted after their victory was not worthy of the match. Now, I'm not too sure what she was watching. She singled out the goalkeeper, Emiliano Martinez, who was seen in the victory parade in Buenos Aires holding a baby doll with face covered with a photo of the French star Mbappe. Immediately after the match, a call for a minute of silence for Mbappe was heard from the Argentinian changing room. Is this just a bit of... Seriously, madame, Mbappe scored a hat-trick as France twice fought back. She says she finds it pitiful, vulgar, inappropriate, and not up for the occasion. The Emiliano Martinez is not distinguishing himself, and he is rather pathetic. The minister said she was pleased that the French Football Federation, Noel Lagrette, had written to his Argentinian counterpart to complain of abnormal excesses in the celebration. The French Football Federation has also said they intend to file complaints against French fans who posted racist comments on social media after Kingsley Coman and Aurélien Chumini 
missed in the shootout and Kolo Muani squandered the chance in late in extra time. Seriously, don't cry over spilt milk. I don't know where she gets these stories from. And if they are true, you know what? These guys in the heat of the moment, I don't think there was anything necessarily meant to hurt anybody or whatever. There's so many other things going on in the world that politicians should be concentrating on rather than silly comments being made by a so-called people who heard. Who heard? Anyway, that's me on this Friday wishing you a very, very, very Merry Christmas. I hope that you have a blessed weekend. Enjoy Family Day. Enjoy whatever sport it might be that you are either playing and or watching. And from Nick and myself, we wish you a very happy and merry, merry Christmas. For those of you who celebrate Christmas, for those of you who don't, we wish you a very, very merry time. Enjoy your time off if you're lucky enough to have time off. And don't forget to join us again for another edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room on Monday evening. And, of course, a review of all the great sporting interviews that we've had over the last year or so. I'm sure all of our participants in all of our podcasts this year wish you and your family the best for 2023. Until next time, from the boardroom to the locker room, be nice to each other. Bye-bye.